0: Chapter 3, if we can, today's talk I would like to talk about is trust. Trust is the talk today. The definition of trust, while we're turning to that, um, there's a story of a man who gets lost in a desert, just while you're turning to Proverbs 3. He sees a shack in the distance. He's been lost for a long time in desert. He's dying of thirst. He finds a water pump with a small jug of water and a note reading: "Pour all the water into the top of the pump to prime it. If you do this, you'll get all the water you need. You're thirsty. You're dying. There's a jug of water, and you've got to pour the whole lot into the top of that uh, the handle there for the priming of the, so you can pump it out. That's trust." because um, you could pour all that water out and that pump handle doesn't work. You're staking your whole life literally on a note that someone's put there, and the note goes further. When you leave, fill the jug up for the next person. That's trust, where you put your whole reliance, you're relying on everything that's being presented to you. Trust in our relationship. Um, Good relationships are built on trust, and respect, mutual trust and respect. Um, Trust is the glue of life. It is the most essential ingredient in effective communication. It is the foundational principle that holds all relationships together, trust. Whoever is careless with trust in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. So trust is vitally important. This definition of trust is to be sure, to be confident, to care less, to feel safe, to feel that you can rely upon something, somebody, or in our case, God, knowing that the rug won't be pulled out from underneath you. It is that that which you depend entirely upon your whole life is what you're putting that particular person, situation, or trust with God. So Proverbs 30, chapter 3 says here, instructions of Solomon at the time, that we, well then, back there in the time, and for the ageless times of the Bible readers that we are, we're reading things that were written thousands of years ago, and it says here to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways... Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So in that one there, the word trust is to to not to, and what it talks about leaning lean not to, should I say, is to not rely on the support of yourself. Don't exclusively trust yourself. Don't rely wholly upon you. Don't rest your being on what you think is the answer to life. This is what King Solomon was writing at the time. So we're told to, the encouragement there is to trust the Lord. So if you you are here today visiting, uh, maybe you haven't been baptised, for you the big question is um, do you trust God? Do you know him? We're going to look at some stories today. So we'll look at um, Rahab the harlot who... Uh, was there to protect the children of Israel on a crucial day in her life and she put her entire trust in uh, the two spies that were there and we're going to read about that in a moment. We're going to read a little bit about uh, Ruth who also put her trust in Naomi into a God that she didn't know but that she had heard of and Rahab also had heard about the reputation of of God at the time. So let's go, if we can, we're going to go right back to Josiah Sorry, Joshua in chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. So we start off with um, Joshua is about to come into the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness. Halfway through verse 1 of chapter 2 tells the spies to go view the land, even Jericho. And spies, they went and came into the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. She was, and well, there's some young kids here, but for the adults, she was exactly what the Bible here is describing. She was Rahab the harlot, we read about. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into your house, for they become to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said, Thus there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. I don't know what happened to them. So she protected them in this particular day in the life of Rahab the harlot. Not uncommon for these men to be visiting her home, her life, and what she was doing at the time. And the king, there was nothing to suggest there was anything untoward or unordin- not ordinary in her life. That's what she did. So then, we says, then she says down in verse 10, this is her, where a woman is about to put a trust in the God of Israel. She doesn't know God and her lifestyle certainly doesn't reflect any notion at all that she has a fear of God in her life or that she wants to trust something else, to put a whole trust in something else. But she says here, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you did come out of Egypt and when you did unto the kings, the Amorites, or on the other side of Jordan, Sion Og, whom you utterly destroyed some 40 years earlier. As soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you also will show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token, that you will, and that ye will save me alive, my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, and all that have delivered our lives from death. So this is her putting her entire trust in the God of Israel and these two men that came out to spy at the land. And the men answered in verse 14, Her, our life for your lives, if you utter, not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let down by a cord, she let them down by a cord, verse 15, through the window, for a house was upon the town wall, and she drew it upon the wall. So there's an amazing amount of trust here. Spies from another country. People that, uh, don't take prisoners, that have destroyed everything that's gone before them. But she sees them as the God of Israel. And wants to change her life and puts her total and utter trust in this meeting time, that when they come again, that they will do business. And he says here, verse 17, And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let down by, and thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brethren, and all thy father's household home unto thee. And that's what happens. We go to chapter 6. Chapter 6. Well, you can only imagine what it would have been like. You've got this this uh, nation coming through. They've been in the wilderness and they're heading towards... You and um, you've got a, you want to protect your family, and you've got uh, the whole nation. The king's called you already, and said, so "Who are these men that you've got?" You've, you've actually had to lie about that and to make something up, but you've done it because you want to protect your family, your your uh, your promise that you've given to the to the to these two spies. You could not look at a better story on the raw the rawness of trust. There was nothing else. If this had gone wrong, if she would said something, they're done for, and Jericho as the city would have been prepared for the, for the Israelites coming, and there would have been a ferocious battle, most likely they would have lost, forewarned, forearmed, the same goes. If um, she had told her family, and they had said something, all well, the bets are off too. If they did not give a promise that they would swear to, and they said, we will deal kindly with you and truly, we will hold to this, our promise that we're going to give you, So there's an immense amount of trust that these spies are putting in her and her in them for her future. And in chapter 6, it says in verse 22, as they're now moving into attack Jericho, Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring them out thence the woman and all that she hath as you swore unto her, as you promised that you would do to her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brethren, and all that she had, and they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver, the gold, and the vessels of brass and of iron put them into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot and her father's household and all that she had and she dwelt in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent out to Spire Jericho. Now that's a story of trust, an immense trust in the God of Israel. she had heard about God, she heard about the reputation of God and the nation Israel and she thought I want to have my life like that. Let's go to Hebrews in chapter 11. because we get a mention of Rahab here in the, in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, as we move through. And this has being written of the what we would call in uh, chapter 11 is an amazing book about people's lives of their time of faith. The Hall of Fame we have in football, cricket, different sport codes. This is our Hall of Fame, our Hall of Faith of Fame for all these different lives of people. And we've got here chapter 11 verse 30 by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about the city seven days and by faith the the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace so her name is still recorded in the history books of of, of our time and that time there, when it's been written in the New Testament let's go to James in chapter 2 Chapter 2, verse 25. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messages and sent them out another way? So we've got two versions of the story where we're verifying that she sent the spies out a different way as we read in James chapter 2, verse 25. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? That's what we read about. And we also read that she, the walls did come down, the city burnt, but she and her household were saved because she put her her total trust in the God of Israel at the time. Let's go to Ruth, chapter 1. We're going to see people today. We're looking at Rahab. We're going to hold it there. Ruth in chapter 1. So... um, Rahab was not of the children of Israel, but we read it there that she now dwells, her name dwells in the house of Israel to this day. In Ruth, in chapter 1, she's lost her husband, she's lost her brother-in-law, her father-in-law. It's not looking good for her, and her life is in ruination. And Naomi, uh, the the mother-in-law, says to her in verse fifteen of chapter one to Ruth, the Moabiteess, "Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law." And Ruth said, "Entreat me not to leave thee, or return from following after thee. For whether thou goest wherever you go, I will go where you lodge." I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and have a look at this perfect quality gem. Your God, my God. Where ye die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. The Lord do say so to me, and more also, if I ought that death part be me and thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking with her. Ruth was fixed. Totally on trusting the living God of the time. And all had gone wrong in her life. There had been some bad calls, bad situations that had gone wrong in her life. She was was grieving. She was uh, going nowhere. Her mother-in-law didn't know what was going on. She was going back to the land of Israel. They originally left to make their money. There's a big famine in the land of Israel and and they'd gone away to to the land of Moab where Ruth is now married to this uh, uh, Israelite man. He's passed away. There's no future. But something in Ruth sees the God of Israel. For all of us maybe in our lives, in our time, we bring it into the New Testament for a moment, that we might have had things going wrong in our lives but we saw the testimony of the person that was presenting it to us. We saw the testimony of God. And if you've been brought up in the Lord, as the old cliche goes, that is absolutely and utterly irrelevant to you getting filled with the Holy Ghost. It has literally no bearing on you receiving the Holy The only thing was that at some moment in your life, you made a decision, I want to follow the God of Israel. I want to follow Jesus Christ. That the name Jesus had an impact in your life. That's what drew you to receiving the Holy Ghost or sitting around coloring in whatever you were doing and you would hear things. You'd hear the testimony of people coming here and things would stick in your mind. Truths that persuaded you in your soul as a young person, it persuaded you, this is the God of Israel, this is is Jesus Christ, Saviour of the world, the Lamb of God. That's what persuaded you to receive the Holy Ghost. Not because you were born into this. If it was a case of you are born to this, it's an utter total respecter of persons and God doesn't look at your heart anymore. He looks at our hearts. That's what drew us to receiving the Holy Ghost. No matter what we were, how squeaky clean and how perfectly righteous we may have perceived ourselves to be, in the eyes of God, he said there is none righteous, no, not one. All is sin and come short of the glory of God. So unless you've decided that being born in the Revival Fellowship makes you a squeaky clean, perfect righteous, I have never seen scooty two-shoes person, then we don't talk like that. We talk like God is real, Jesus Christ is real, and something with all of us in this room, it pricked our hearts to think, I want to pursue that. I want to put my trust in that I want to put my trust in that and Rahab I want to put my trust in the God of Israel the one that I'd heard about what he's done in the past 40 years and Ruth I don't know where this is going I know there's things that haven't looked like they've gone well for you Naomi but something tells me your God is real And I'm going to commit my life to pursuing that answer until I get the right answer. Let's go to chapter 2. Ruth of chapter 2. So she gets a job. And uh, we read here in verse 11, Boaz owns a bit of land. He's He's now back in the land of Israel. And Naomi says to her, see if you can get, to Ruth, see if he can get a job. She gets a job, and it's in uh, his name's Boaz, and 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 Naomi rejoices because Boaz is a distant relative of hers, so there's a chance that something good's going to come out of that. In verse eleven, and Boaz answered and said unto her, "Here's her testimony. It has been. It has fully." Like groovy man, it has fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and thou art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. And Boaz says to her, verse 12, the Lord recompense thy work and a full overflowing, it talks about in the Hebrew, a full to measure, overflowing reward, be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. As so the day that we got filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized since we were introduced to God. We said we're going to put our whole lives into the hands of Jesus Christ. And when things are not going so well, we're going to remind ourselves, I said on the day that I received the Holy Ghost, on the day that I was baptised, that I was going to put my trust in God. And in days that it doesn't make sense and in days where I can't work it out, I have to remind myself that God is real and that he's going to work it out for me. And he says, under his wings thou art come to trust. And then she says, verse 13, let me now find favour in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me; for thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaiden, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. The testimony of you, Boaz, has been an amazing testimony to me. I've come into this land where I don't know anybody. Uh, I'm a stranger. I'm a foreigner, and I've uh, I've come, and you, Boaz have been an amazingly good testimony to me. You've been so kind to me. And right back with Rahab, what did the two men say? We will do kindly and truly to you. That's the God's people. That's how we deal with people. We deal with them kindly and truthfully, respectfully at all times. That's what we do with people that are outside our fellowship at all times, respectfully, truthfully, kindly. That's what we do because... That's what trust's all about. And one day, someone's going to look at you, and you might be the spy. Someone's going to look at you, and you might be Boaz, you might be Naomi, and someone's going to say, in you I see God. In you I see the power of God. I see Jesus Christ in you. And my life's not working out, but I'm actually prepared to put my trust, my entire being... Into you, because you, the way you've dealt with me, two ladies, Gentiles, that we see here in the um, the books of the Bible. What puts them together? And we'll go on to chapter four. Boaz falls in love with Ruth, and they get married, and they have a they verse thirteen. They get married, they conceive and bear a child. And Naomi says in verse 14, And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that this his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of your life, a nourisher of your old age, for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne thee. And Naomi took the child and laid in her bosom and became a nurse unto it. And the woman, her neighbors gave it a name, saying, This is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, father of King David. So Ruth puts her whole being in this dark day when Naomi says, Go back, go back to your own people, because I'm a curse. I'm bitter. Nothing's worked out in my life. And if you follow my life, then you're not going to have much trouble. You're going to have a lot of trouble. And things are going to go wrong in your life. So Ruth, go away. And Ruth persuades Naomi, no, I'm staying put. Realizes she can't persuade her. She's trusting that this God, the God of Israel, who Ruth has detected, is going to work in her life. And now we see several years later, she goes to the land that she doesn't know anybody. Boaz, one of the first people she meets, incredibly kind man to her, marries her They have a child and she is in the line, direct line with King David, great God, king of Israel. From nothing to everything. God of Israel that she put her entire trust on. Him. Trust Let's go to Matthew in chapter 1. We we'll link these two together. Now Boaz by historical terms probably a little bit older than Ruth. We we'll can look at these things another time. So we've got here in chapter 1 of Matthew verse 1 the Book of the Generations of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, read at the beginning here, Abraham begat Isaac, then in verse five, and Solomon begat Boaz of Rahab, which is Rachel, which is Rahab the harlot, Rahab the harlot, right back there, um, when she sees the spies, she says, "You remember me." You, you remember me when you come back. Save my family. And she's in direct lineage of the of the line of, of Jesus Christ and of King David. And her child that they, they have begets Boaz. Salmon and, and Rahab beget Boaz, and Boaz begets Obed of Ruth. So we got uh, this woman coming in from her harlotry life, she comes into the land by protecting two people, gets brought into the land of Israel, gets treated well. From the moment she arrives and it's very noted in the scripture that her name is in Israel to this day. Why? Because she's from the throne of David. Right through and she's from the throne, the lineage of Jesus Christ. We talk about her today. And her son, Boaz, Learns all about the God of Israel. And th- that the first opportune moment that Boaz has in probably sitting as a child and hearing about the God of Israel, hearing about Rahab's story, hearing about the spies, Boaz has an opportunity to uh, show his own kindness to a woman who was not part of Israel at the time, which is Ruth. And Ruth comes in. So we got two ladies who are in the lineage of David, who were in the lineage of Jesus Christ, two Gentile women that both put their entire trust in God and they were not disappointed. Two women that bear an amazing story right throughout the pages of the Bible. where You can read of Ruth and we marvel at the wonderful story of the book of Ruth which God was so kind to us, to, to was so privileged to be able to read the entire story of Ruth. It's one of the great stories of the Bible because we get right through the whole part of her romantic life of falling in love with Boaz and, and Naomi's bitter soul and, and how, how much happiness is brought about through this story an otherwise very despairing moment. And that's what is there for. It's there to highlight and illustrate all the different emotions that go on in people's lives. People are feeling despondent, despairing, grieving, upset, bitter, angry, sorrowful. And God is saying, look, just trust me. You've started in the way of trusting me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Give it all you've got. Stay with me. You won't be disappointed. And Ruth, and and Naomi, and and now we and we have Rahab, all happy together. Let's go to. Um, we're going to head to Isaiah in chapter twenty-six, and it says here, Paul, not Paul, Isaiah writing. They will keep you, or him, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusts in thee. Isaiah 26, verse 3. We'll get perfect peace with our minds, in our minds, when we trust in the living God. We just put our trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord, verse 4, forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And didn't we find that in Ruth? And didn't we find that, read that with Naomi? And didn't we read that with Rahab, that uh, they lost their strength, they lost their courage, they lost their will, but at some moment in their life, one day in their lives, which we read about, they just said, No, no, I'm going to stick with God, God of Israel. What an amazing story to, 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 to see Rahab the harlot that is, that just seems to be her name in the, in the ancients, in the history, in the, uh, writings of the Bible. We've just got her as Rahab the harlot. Never Rahab, it's always that. She's been branded that, but her story of a woman who put her entire trust in the living God, we read of her to become in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And that, and the Lord wants that tonight. asked for us to know that. And then we have Boaz and and Ruth their, their their time together. Wonderful, wonderful things there of lives that could have gone wrong that didn't go wrong because they had gone wrong, but they put their trust in God. Let's go to Acts chapter four. So we we just we don't give up. Just recently, I was reading about Dr. Roger Bannister, who was the um, first person to run the perfect mile under four minutes. And he wrote that if you can force your heart and nerve, and just while you're on Acts chapter 4, and sinew to serve you your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will to say to those sinews and heart and nerve, hold on don't give up, then the victory is yours. That's what he said. He, every fibre of his body was broken in, in 1953 on May the 6th at the Empire State the Stadium in front of the then-known world and, and people listening all around the world about a man and John Landy, Australian, attempting to break the four-minute mile. And he spoke of his heart his nerve system and his sinews all beyond breaking point. But the commentator was looking at it from a completely different point of view. He says, "Is going to be Bannister's race, striding absolutely magnificently, long strides. And Landy's look to his left shoulder on the bend with 70 yards to go. As he looks, Landy looks on his left, Bannister goes to the right, realizing that that microsecond of distraction, he'd be able to take the lead. And he did, and he said, there was nothing in me but the commentator's will, the will, the strength, the power of his stride. He's getting stronger and stronger. It's going to be his day. He's done it. He's done it. You can watch it and read it at that moment. And he crosses the line in sheer and utter exhaustion. How people read you is completely different to how you might be feeling. You might be in the last fibre of being here, being alive, being like, I want to follow this. But people outwardly might go, mate, why is this guy so peaceful? Bannister said that his heart, his nerves and his sinew were beyond breaking point. But the commentators as I just read out then the perfect mile. He describes in a different way: long strides, bounding around that last 70 yards, and he crosses the line in three minutes and 58.8 seconds. John Landy, three minutes fifty nine 59.9 seconds, broke the the world record. Bannister says to um, Landy, "Great run, great run." You did a great job. Good on you, says um, Roger to Landy. And Landy says, you ran the perfect mile. You, made a, you had a colossal run. So what was going on in here? It was just nothing but sheer and utter will determination on going to cross the line. Of all else failing, and that's the people that trust the Lord. Ruth, Rahab had nothing else but to just trust the Lord and they were not disappointed. You know, this was we're finishing. 36 to go. Chapter four, verse 12. This is us. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Mark and the communion. There is neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we've got the greatest name, living name in the history of the world. Jesus Christ in us and all the people said, Amen.